We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Let's kick off the pro football season. Gordon pumps again to the sideline. Bat it off. Oh, God! Stokely down the sideline! Can they catch him? Stokely! Wow! This is NFL Kickoff Week with Danny and Dusty. Brought to you by Encore Audio Video. For a fully automated smart home or a state-of-the-art home theater, start with a visit to EncoreAudioVideo.com. lays it up for Freeman, and it's incomplete. Or did he, can he make the catch at the 15? What are they going to roll it? He caught it. Danny and Dusty on 1080. Derek Johnson, the all-time leading tackler in the history of the Kings. Good afternoon, happy Wednesday, everybody. It is a hump day. Again, second straight day that I do not feel as if my microphone is on. That's I'm always kind of afraid. I don't. I don't. Not I don't necessarily hear yours at all. Oh, are we on? Oh, the time? Is it, is it yeah. time? Okay. Okay. Are mics on? Now you're hot. Oh, okay. oh, there we go. Okay. All right, I, well, I, need, hey. I need more snare in my headphones. Uh, day two, still a little bit confusing being at the new Odyssey Studios. We're, well, we're at the Odyssey Studios, but in the Odyssey office. I am happy to report my worst fear uh, is not coming to fruition because I felt like I would be, I just keep driving to the old studios and then I have to turn around and get mm, very hasn't mad happened at myself. Yet. No, two days in a row. I haven't done it. Okay. I'm not going to let my guard down. I'm going to be vigilant on it I, because I it. there have been times where, like, when you move, I've driven to the my old house. Oh, 100%. Before. Yeah. Uh, like, it has happened yeah. where I've been like, oh, come on, man. And you don't realize it until he's like, oh. It's a horrible feeling. Yeah. It's a horrible feeling. But um, I will say that you did make us feel like we were back at the old studios for a little bit. Um, <laughs> I sent you outside to grab my food. You, well, yes, you had stinky food. Mm-hmm. Again, breaking in this brand new, fresh smelling building. Everything smells like okay. brand new, fresh paint. It, it does. Every, all the in chairs fact, are they're, new. They're, they're redoing new. the new outside well, right now. They, everything is new. And then you come in with, I don't know what you ordered, but it smells like, I, I don't know. It's Munster sm- cheese? Yes, it smells like heavy cheeses, fried meats. It just was overwhelming. Okay. You're Abe Froman. That's right. <laughs> I'm Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. You are. Yeah, well, in my defense, okay. in my defense, <laughs> if I had told, it, 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 again, if you ordered a Cubano sandwich, okay. would you expect it to be moth stinky? I don't know. I no, no, not, not like it is. No, exactly, but... and that was my point. Like, I went for something simple. Yeah. Like, I, I, my wife dropped something on me this morning that I had to take care of before I came in, so I was running up against it, and yeah. I knew I was not going to have time to make my lunch. <laughs> and so I was like, screw it. I'm going to grab the app and have the food uh, meet me there. All right. And things were going swimmingly because my food got here 10 minutes before I did. That's I got to right. say, that's the, uh, the most od- odiferous uh 
Cuban I've ever smelled. And that's right. the thing is, like, if you look at it, number number one, it's the biggest Cuban sandwich in existence. It looked very good, and it, it does. It looks it incredible. I, I after I only ate half because the it's literally the, like two fistfuls on each end. It's like it's re- it looked really good. It's four or five inches tall. It's massive. Yeah. But I think the stink comes from the pork. It was kind of a sweet pork, and I think that's where they smell. But the best part about this is it's now sitting in the cube of solitude. And no, there's, there's I put no it in the fart way. box because, one, I went and I got your food, and it was Jeff Rust and I sitting here talking about the show. and we both In the office, of, and you're like, We looked at each other, and I said, <laughs> this is going in the fart box. You've got to so, kick him off the tour. I put it in the uh, I put it in the cube of solitude over there, and I said you you cannot eat that in here. Now our brand new office smells like your your lunch, and Rust made a very good point. He said Danny is one step away from microwaving fish. In the I, I won't do it. I will never do it. I refuse to do it. But I, in my defense, again, Your Honor, I present my case to the jury. I went Cubano. I did not go like. Um, there was a, an Angus sandwich, which I, I, if this is stinky, I'm sure the Angus was going to be super stinky. Like, I, I went for very simple. I went for pork, turkey, cheese, pickle, mustard. Like, we're keeping it, we're keeping it simple. It, uh, it, well, hold on. You cannot Cubano be serious. Says heaps of heavily seasoned pork is, is part of the recipe. Ah. Hev- it says... Heavily heaps of heavily seasoned pork. We got to check the. I got to check the restaurant <laughs> no no guidelines because they were they were limited on the app. That's a big twinkie. This is. I mean, woof, woof. It, it is. It is stinky. It, there's 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 no. But you are uh, no a denying. stinky food man. I like am. you have. I like I like seasoning, man. What can I say? We are in very tight quarters here. There's. Decorum. Well, I didn't think a sandwich was going to be that stinky. <laughs> I literally went sandwich to keep it st- like an animal season. Yeah, listen. I, yeah. In my again, maybe this isn't my, in my defense. This is probably more evidence against me. I could have gone lamb, but I did not. <laughs> You've already have gone lamb. <laughs> uh, but it, listen, like it, it's it's stinky, but it's stinky because it's good. Yeah, you know it, it, this all comes down to as well. Like this is part of. Like, there's nobody in the office right now either. Mm-hmm. You would be getting the stank eye oh, 100%. from everybody 100%. with this with this sandwich. Because it, like, it, it is like, because it's like, what, 18 foot tall ceilings in yeah. here? It just kind of wafts and fills the room. There's nothing to stop it from going anywhere. <laughs> what are the rules of bringing lunch into work, into your office space? Because I've always been... I try to avoid this situation, for the most part. Do you? Yes. Because <laughs> I mo- don't think you do. The other day, you brought in some sort of Middle Eastern dish that was nothing but spices with a fried egg in it, and then you went and microwaved it. You've brought lamb in. You've brought two things in this week <laughs> that, that are sticky. I don't think that you're trying to avoid anything so, here. <laughs> I am avoiding bad smells. That's what I'm avoiding here is bad smells. Intensity? Okay. Intensity? Okay. Bad smells? Bad, no. Like, yeah, no, you're never going to catch me reheating something bad. Reheating some shakshuka? Yeah. Oh, man. We had a, and it, I mean, it, it doesn't smell bad. It's just over the top. It's Listen, again, 
The shakshuka, I knew what I was getting into there, yeah. and I intentionally didn't warm it up all the way because I knew because it has every pepper and garlic and spice known to man. It's delicious. But the sandwich, the sandwich was like the, going in the opposite direction. You don't, know, you don't know what you're getting yourself into Yeah, no. There. I did not know, no. like, I don't know if it was the cheese on it, like being melted made it like super stinky or what, but... <laughs> I guarantee you they will never be able to scrub that smell out of that box. Text 503-250-1080. My ex-coworker steam-cooked a whole trout in the work microwave. Oh, no. I the killed same that one the customers had to use at a driving range. That is brutal. Wait. Hold on. Do customers regularly use the microwave at a driving range? I mean... Yeah, that's that is kind of weird. <laughs> Do you bring your own hot pocket? I don't know. Hot I don't pocket. Know. But that is uh, that's a, a big time foul. Another text. Dan Danny goes ham with his stinky food. Look, I know what ham they're re- referencing, mm-hmm. but if it was just a ham sandwich, I don't think we'd be in this problem. Well, it could be like a honey baked ham. I got ham in here. Nobody said a damn thing about it. <laughs> it's because my sandwich kicked your sandwich's butt. That's what it happened. It did. Yours looked really good. I'll give you that. That was the, that was the thing was because I had never gone to this place before. It just had really good reviews, and they said five bucks off. And I was like, cool, I'll give this place a shot. Because we just moved in here. I wanted to try some some local spots around here. And I was like, okay, cool. It'll be ready quick. And uh, it was it was delicious. But uh, there is there is no denying it, it stank. The, the stank was real, and uh, I'm sorry. I just want you to know we're noticing you. You've been put on notice. I, I, listen, I have a pattern. I, I, I am. I, I like food with flavor. <laughs> I'd rather have this than like farts. So my farts I'm don't good. stink. Okay, now you, just like you don't bring in, you don't try to eat stinky food. Well, I'm, just, I'm telling you, man. <laughs> it's, uh, it's all. It's all just a little loose air. All right, let's get this bad boy uh, wow. going. What? <laughs> Are you okay? I'm not okay. You're not okay? <laughs> I'm not okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All I right. know that was going to be the one that broke Jeff Rust. <clears throat> no, there's a lot that's going to break Jeff Rust. His will really? is, is slowly and steadily being broken, and uh, we're all here for it. Okay, uh, on today's show, we will have Brady Henderson on, ESPN Seahawks writer. Uh, Brady has a really long but good piece up about the breakup between the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk with Brady about that. Um, we have injuries galore coming out across the NFL. A lot of guys that teams said were going to be ready for week one. It turns out not going to be around, Uh, not just for week one, but several weeks Mm -hmm. um, in a lot of these cases. We have that to get to. Uh, What do we want to see the biggest improvement between weeks one and week two for each the Ducks and the Beavers? It's a lot longer of a list, and there's a lot more options for one team than Mm -hmm. the other. (laughs) We'll just put it to you that way. Um, we'll do, we'll start diving into that as uh, prep is full steam ahead. Ryan Horvat, our BetQL Network Insider, BetMGM Tonight host, brought to you by Driveway.com. He will be joining us at one thirty. Hopefully, we got fingers crossed because he got the COVIDs last. Yeah, week. the man has been a rough rough month. It sure has been between a car accident and COVID. Well, I just hope that the winds are coming his way. Yeah, I mean, listen, that's the great thing about uh, working. Only if he's sitting in there with Danny, apparently. Hey, listen, uh, <laughs> that might, might might brighten up his day. Oh goodness gracious! Oh, um, and then we've got fun with audio today. We got two pieces of fun. This is fun with audio always. Oh my gosh! But we've got more fun audio. Yeah, thing, oh, okay. It, well, Louisiana related audio today. Mm. Both pieces of it. 
uh, are incredible. Down so, the bayou. We are just getting going here. Um, it is a Wednesday. It's a hump day. Text us 503-250-1080. And I didn't know that we were going to go down this road with uh, one of your teas that you had in the in the tweet, the show tweet, mm-hmm. it was setting the tone with your fantasy team, mm-hmm. which we do have that story, is completely different than one that this texture sent us, which was, I don't know if I should start Dak or Derek Carr. Yeah. So, we'll, 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 we'll maybe take some, uh, some fantasy advice along the way, too. Sure. Why not? But, I'll dish out some fantasy yeah, advice. I don't got a dog in the fight. Uh, listen, let's go. I got my draft tonight. Oh, you do? Yeah. I, I waited until the last possible second. Okay. Well, let's go. We got we to gotta talk about that, maybe. Mm. Even. Where are you picking? Uh, I'll, we get the straw order an hour before the draft, so I'll know wow. tonight. This is big. Yeah. This is big. You got to be ready for everything. All right, where we start? Um, the story behind Russ and the Seahawks parting ways. Before we talk with Brady Henderson at twelve forty-five, uh, we'll give you the details of the ugly breakup between yeah. the franchise quarterback and uh, Russell Wilson. Danny Dusty on the fan. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more rings, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, there's a really good piece up on uh, ESPN.com. Brady Henderson, who's going to run this uh, about 25 minutes from now, um, basically outlining the breakup between Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. It's a long read, mm-hmm. but there's a lot in there. There's a lot in there, and I think it, it really does do a good job of putting in chronological order Timeline. Yeah. how it all went down and just like, Every little nick that we kept hearing about in, in the relationship between the Seahawks and Russell mm-hmm. Wilson and how it really did on both sides lead to Russ and the franchise going, we're done. We're done. Yeah. Enough is enough, and we need to go on, and we need to move our separate ways. 100%. And you, you look at some of the examples, and the, first they kind of lay out, here's what eventually ended up happening. Russ getting moved for a pile of first-round picks and fan and but here's where we start. Mm-hmm. And you, you kind of go through the uh, period of Russ kind of chasing an MVP award, which didn't make some in the Seattle front office happy. And then you kind of flip it to the other side where uh, Snyder and Carroll are at pro days for Mahomes and for Josh Allen. And yep. there was a report of 
possibly the Seahawks trading the number one overall pick in 2018 for Russell Wilson, like these things that irked the Wilson camp. So there's like these things where clearly we hear all the time that quarterbacks and front offices are always on the on the same page. For literal years, they were yeah. not. That's. But this is where I go to. In reading this, and, and Brady does a really good job of laying out both sides and mm-hmm. getting quotes from both both camps, from the front office of the Seahawks, from Russell Wilson's camp, mm-hmm. and people close to him. I, when I knowing what I've known and kind of following along with everything over the last you know decade, yeah, and then reading this and putting it all out there, I still go back to the fact that Russell Wilson. Is is it more to blame than the Seahawks were because they bent over backwards? Yeah, was there ever a time that they didn't cater to Russell Wilson? Every single thing that he wanted, they went out and they did. Got weapons? Okay, go get weapons. You want to get paid? Okay, go get paid. You want to throw the ball more? Throw the ball more. We're gonna let Russ cook, and it wasn't until letting Russ cook turned backfired 10, on ten him. interceptions in what three games? It wasn't until they said, "All right, you want to invest on the offense more because you're our guy, you're our franchise guy." Okay, but this is what this is what happens with every team. When you pay your quarterback, you run out of money to pay everybody else. You're done. Right? And this is this is why I sit there and I go, there is there's a disconnect between Russell Wilson and what's going on with with the franchise and how they need to operate because of the fact that they went out, they go and they get their the receivers that he wanted. They try to rebuild the offensive line. I mean, they were bringing 20 guys in every year, mm-hmm. but there's only so many guys that you can bring in. They went and got Dwayne Brown. They yep. gave up draft capital to go and get Dwayne Brown for Russell Wilson, and who was one of the premier tackles Very good. In, in the NFL. And you try and you try and you try, and it's never seemingly good enough no. because he's ta- he also wants to get paid. Well, if you're getting paid, you're going to have to make concessions elsewhere, mm-hmm. right? And we, That's why you get that money is that you, you mask those other shortcomings. We know that Aaron Rodgers is bristly with Green Bay, right? Mm-hmm. But he also, there is an understanding that he has with that franchise that if I'm going to get mine, I know that I'm going to have to make concessions elsewhere. Yep. Did he really want a first-round pick to be a wide receiver? Yes. You know what really made him mad was when they actually drafted Jordan Love yes. in the first round. Not doing due diligence and going and scouting Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen mm-hmm. because there's also these things that you do when you go to these pro days for quarterbacks. Yeah, you're at Josh Allen's pro day. Yeah, you're at Patrick Mahomes' pro day. Mm-hmm. There's also other guys that are there that you're looking exactly. for, right? There's also every single league executive is at these pro days. And you're days talking to them to getting intel. And, and conversations are happening, yes. right? To get all upset that they're, they're looking that they're into there. it. That is something where you go... Oh, you're you're pretty okay. pretty touchy about this. This is yeah, yeah, you're being a little bit sensitive in, in this case. And I'll, I give Russell Wilson a ton of credit for so long he did tow that company line and he always said the right thing in the public face, right? And then he pivoted on Dan Patrick. But yeah, you also <laughs> heard so many rumblings that what the Seahawks are doing to cater to us is not normal. It's not what other teams do, right? The Seth Wickersham article back in, you know, about the mm-hmm. blow up of the the Legion of Boom, right? Where there was guys who were quoted in there saying they treat they put Russell Wilson on a pedestal yeah. and they treat us like trash when the defense is the one that carried us to back to to oh, Super Bowl win and then getting back to a Super Basically, Bowl. Basically, even with the the record being the defense was carrying everything, even then they were catering to Russ in the early years. 
mm. which kind of sets the stage for you from basically what 2013 on. And this is I, I this is where it all kind of and what Brady does a really good job of in the piece of ESPN.com is one you can let you kind of decide for yourself on on where it all went wrong, but there is also some culpability on the franchise's side, right? Mm-hmm. Of, well, certainly. Of, you know, they did find out, Russell Wilson, that is, and his agent found out the, C- the Seahawks wanted to trade up to get number one where they love Josh Allen. Yes, in 2018, yeah. I mean, as we look at Josh Allen now, probably wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Probably would have been better for him. <laughs> but they wanted a cheap quarterback because there's a blueprint that they knew would get them yes. to a Super Bowl. And it got them to two Super Bowls, and they won one of them, for goodness sakes. Yeah, and then, obviously, they, they give Russ his extension. His, was it, $140 million extension that at the time made him the highest-paid quarterback in the league. And, again, it's that I, they did it twice. They yes. made him the highest-paid guy ever twice. And they and that was probably both times following some ruffling of feathers and, and you know, poking of egos. And yep. I think that's kind of an interesting place that ultimately ends up with, with Russell Wilson always wanting – and I. We were talking about before this show. Is there a guy in the NFL who people is is so good that people are more ambivalent towards because he's never really been that guy? And I just I, I compared him to Kevin Durant. Yeah. Obviously, Kevin Durant's yeah. greater in the NBA than Russ is in the NFL, but that it feels very askew, right? Mm-hmm. Like as far as like this is a Super Bowl winning quarterback. I know there's a caveat there, defense that da. But Russ is very good, and how many people are truly Russ stands for a guy who's that good? It's really interesting to see like a lot of the Seahawks fans that used to be the Russ stands. They're just kind of like, nah, I'm all right. Yeah. turned on him. They're like, yeah. no, I don't know. He was our guy, you know. And he did Russell Wilson like from the minute he stepped into the league, mm-hmm. he was like a top ten guy. Yes, but he was never top three. No, never top. Was three. it twenty twenty nineteen where he? Would they let Russ cook? 20, yeah, 2020, 2020 is when they let Russ cook yeah. with Brian Schottenheimer. And that, I think that that was probably the most – that was the most Pro damning – No, damning quote in this article hmm. was they said a, a front office – member of the front office said oh, there yeah. was a throw in, in that season where they looked at each other in week 16 and they said, are we trying to win football games or are we trying to win an MVP? Yeah. And it felt like that with Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Like – there was so much being made about him not getting an MVP vote yeah. ever. But you look at it and you go, who okay. would it have been? Yeah. I mean, you let Russ, Russ cook, and all of a sudden he has a four-week stretch where he implodes and throws five picks in four weeks, and you're like, that's not it. Yeah. They, and they gave him those opportunities. And then Russ, and then Pete Carroll finally said, hey, man, and this goes back to the bending over the franchise, bending over mm-hmm. backwards. He, he goes, all right. I let I let Russ cook. Now it's costing us games. Yeah. So we're gonna go back to what we did, and that upset Russell Wilson. Well, it actually ended up working out better for them because they got back on track and ended up winning the division. Turns out that the guy that you know kind of laid out the scheme that won a Super Bowl knew what he was doing. And I, I understand the frustration of Russell Wilson's here, where early on in his career, I think they were 29th in pass rate, past the past the run play rate, meaning yeah. that even though they're running plays or playing with tempo, they're still the rate of passing is you know third worst in the NFL. But you were compensated because you weren't getting to you know show your ego off. 
he he went from okay, I got my Super Bowl. What's my legacy going to be? Mm-hmm. And the the exciting part to see moving forward is that you know in this article doesn't paint Russ as a bad person. No. Doesn't paint the Seahawks John Schneider the, no. or Pete Carroll as as the bad guy either. It just shows what happened. But with the, I think the thing that we need to look at that's important is that Russell Wilson wanted to become a legacy guy, mm-hmm. and that got in the way of the team the Seahawks day to day yeah and when when that happens is when they Pete Carroll finally said all right we're out we're done and we're gonna finally see he's got Nathaniel Hackett as his head coach mm-hmm. who is gonna be a all right we're gonna whip the ball around we'll be, we're let, gonna let, we're let you win cook. games yeah. and we're gonna win and lose by number three and that hey the legacy is gonna be defined it starts he's gonna have the opportunity to define his own legacy well it starts on Monday night in Seattle against his own team and that's where the NFL NFL schedulers are brilliant they are brilliant they are if, brilliant. if they lose that game that the Broncos lose that game my goodness <laughs> my goodness they won't but if they do yeah I, I guess crazier things could happen I mean just for the It'd chaos be pretty crazy I mean just the chaos sign me up All right, we'll talk with Brady Henderson 15 minutes from now. Another quarterback, though, and his team appear to be moving forward despite tensions rising. Danny and Dusty on the fan. Here is Rust with SportsCenter. This is NFL Kickoff Week with Danny and Dusty. Brought to you by Encore Audio Video. On 1080 The Fan. Well, we go from one disgruntled quarterback uh, who got out of town and ended up with now the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson to the next, which is Lamar Jackson and his kind of, I don't even want to call it a feud. It's in his negotiations with the Baltimore Ravens right now. As reports uh, today out of Baltimore, the Baltimore Sun is reporting that Lamar Jackson is not going to be getting the deal that he wants or needs before the season starts. Uh, So all signs point to Lamar Jackson playing the final year of his contract out this year with no guarantees moving forward. The only thing possible happening uh, he has zero control over is even if they don't get something done, Mm. the Ravens can still slap a franchise tag on him. Yep. And that would prevent him from getting more money, and it would only be for another single year. Which, I mean, Lamar has no leverage here. He really, he really doesn't. And he keeps talking about and, and through some form of social media or through a third party, two forty, two fifty guaranteed, two forty, two fifty guaranteed, two forty, yeah. two fifty guaranteed. But <laughs> mostly through retweets of people in his comments. Yes, <laughs> buddy. Number one, your I negotiating skills are terrible. I love it. Number two. No, you're not getting it. And listen, I am all for guys getting the bag. But if, again, I am a neutral. I have, I have no skin in this game whatsoever. Yeah. I am not a Lamar Jackson guy. I'm not a Ravens guy. I, but looking at this from the outside, there is not a way, any way, shape, matter, or form that Lamar Jackson has any leverage here to, to do anything. I do fancy myself a Lamar Jackson guy. I love watching Lamar Jackson. Oh, don't get me wrong. It, yeah, Fun. No, yeah. I, I do pull for him, and I think that, the criticisms of him are are unfair at times. Surely. But I don't think the Ravens should give him $250 million, right? Like, it, there is, there's levels and there's layers, right, mm-hmm. to every contract negotiation. And one of the hard parts that Lamar is going through, and he should not be his own agent. He, like, nor should his mother. Nor should his mother be his agent. 
and there are times where taking that little bit off the top is Take worth the six percent, dude. But you know what? The reason why you're getting two hundred forty-five million dollars for Russell Wilson is because Mark Rogers is his agent, and he's taking a little bit off that. You know what? If you, this is what Baltimore is probably looking at him saying is like, fine, we'll give you two thirty, and that money that was supposed to go to your agent, anyways, that you wouldn't get, you're mm-hmm. still getting it. Like, it's all yours. We're not going to give you just the two forty-five and be <laughs> because this is the problem is that making that long-term investment, this is the big risk for Lamar, is that with most quarterbacks, like Kirk Cousins, his style of play, when he, he did this play, with, play forever. Well, when he did this with Washington, he went, fine. Like, I'm not going to, I'll just franchise tag me mm-hmm. at the end of this year. Oh, okay, we're not working some out. Fine, franchise tag me again, and I'll become the richest quarterback in NFL history because you had to franchise tag me twice. Lamar Jackson's style of play makes this a whole lot more yes. risky. Because he takes more hits. He is out and of the not, pocket. And he's and not Russell the, Wilson. And he is on the edge so much more. Yeah. And that is a massive, and he, knock on wood, he's been very healthy for a guy who runs as much and takes kind of the hits that he does yeah. over his career. But this is not the year you want to screw with that. No. And that is where this is going to be a, a dicey 2022 season is, does Lamar Jackson change his style of play that makes him so special in a contract and makes year. him an MVP that makes him into one of those mm-hmm. guys who's in a conversation for $250 million. Or is he going, I'm not going to take those hits if I have no guarantees moving forward. Here's the thing. This is, this is a blunt example or uh, comparison. Remember the uh, contested talks around Zeke Elliott and whether or not he should get paid the money he should because of his style. Ooh. What has happened since then? He got paid, and he has broken down. Fallen off a cliff. Yeah. You can say that Lamar is different. He doesn't run as much. Number one, it's pretty damn close. Number two, the difference between him and Cam Newton is about five inches and 50 pounds. And even Cam broke down. Well, I didn't know where you were going with that. but (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You, right. you, what makes him great is also what has the clock started. And I understand yeah. him wanting to capitalize on the money, but the Ravens right away are going to, I will be shocked if he gets more than 200 million guaranteed in a deal at five years or less. I just, I don't think there's a world where you can guarantee it. Now, what I would do if I were the Ravens, they aren't paying anybody right now. You're not signing anybody right now. So here's what you do to make Lamar happy. Make, give him the highest annual, annual value for the next two years. Pay him $48, 49000000 million over the next two years. Up front. That's where the guaranteed money is. Mm-hmm. Boom. I found this on the web. There you go. She found that on the web, Siri, too. Siri is doing work for me. <laughs> but pay him up front. Yeah. Make him feel the love. Go way over what anybody else is getting. But guaranteed. And then everything else is earned. Yep. Because the, the wear and tear is just going to... Well, yeah. wear and tear him down. Yeah. I just I don't that's the only way that I could see the Ravens acquiescing to anything because 250 is out of this world. There's just no there's no way. The Ravens as at any time under any era in the last 20 years with the Ravens, have they made bold dicey decisions? No, because they're smart. They're yes. a very smart franchise. 
and they have, they have they get their ducks in a row. And this is a, a new era, though, too, because Ozzie Newsom yes. is no longer your GM negotiating these deals for you. But on the flip side, <laughs> I, I can tell you right now who Lamar Jackson hates more than even more than the Ravens right now. It's the 49ers <laughs> because they gave the Ravens an out. Yeah, they said because because right now I I'd be willing to stake a very large amount of money that the Miami Dolphins would trade for Lamar Jackson and pay handsomely right now. Probably. So you get your draft capital, you reset, you send Jimmy G over, and you figure it out. All right. Um, keep an eye on that one. As it does appear, though, Lamar's not going to be a hold in, a hold out. He's going to uh, play this year out. Departmentalize. We'll um, all right. Coming up next, the man who wrote the Russ Wilson piece um, uh, on the breakup between Russ and the Seahawks for ESPN. Brady Henderson joins us. Danny Dusty on the phone. This is NFL Kickoff Week with Danny and Dusty. Brought to you by Encore Audio Video. On 1080 The Fan. We were discussing earlier the piece up on ESPN.com about Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks and uh, what led to the dealing of the franchise quarterback to the Denver Broncos, whom they meet on Monday Night Football. Very soon. Uh, And to talk a little bit more about it and uh, share some extra thoughts on it, we bring on the man who wrote it, Brady Henderson, joining us now. Go check him out on Twitter, at Brady Henderson. Thanks for taking a few minutes for us, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. How are you guys doing? Thank you for having me. We're doing fantastic. Look, uh, this was a really long piece, and um, I we were talking as we were kind of piecing it uh, apart earlier, is that you did a really good job of putting together a very long timeline in history between the Seahawks and Russell Wilson and what kind of led to this riff happening because it wasn't just like one big thing that happened. It was a bunch of small nicks that led to – um, the the team and the quarterback going their separate ways. As you were kind of putting it, all of this together, was there anything that really stuck out to you and surprised you that you didn't know before about Russell Wilson and that relationship with the team? Um, not so much the relationship. I, I think you know anybody who has covered the team and followed the situation uh, closely for the last few years realized that there was tension between uh, Wilson and the organization over – um, you know, him feeling like he was being held back by, um, you know, the offense and some of the personnel decisions and not feeling like he had an offensive line that was uh, up to snuff and all that. Like, really, the, the new information um, in the story, and the story fleshes a lot of that out, but I think the stuff that's not really been written about much, if at all, is the fact that, you know, the Seahawks, they obviously had to have their reasons for uh, moving on from him because they didn't have to trade him. And that reason was that, you know, some people in the building felt like he was a declining player just with the fact that, um, you know, so much of what has made him an elite quarterback worthy of all those big money contracts and all, all the big money that he's made is his ability to get outside the pocket and create on the run and all of that and to extend plays. And they felt like, you know, as he's gotten, over 30, uh, that he just doesn't have that same escapability. And so them knowing that, you know, he would be up for another contract extension next offseason if he had stayed in Seattle, I think that was their big motivation to trade him. I mean, look, you know, look at how toxic the situation in Green Bay was between Aaron Rodgers and Mm -hmm. the Packers. It would arguably that it it arguably was, I think, radioactive compared to the situation 
uh, in Seattle, and they made that work. Green Bay did with a, another big contract, and the big difference there is that Rodgers, you know, won the last two MVP awards, and they feel like even though he's an older player that, you know, he's still going to get done, and the Seahawks did not have that same confidence in Wilson. What's really interesting is the, the way you broke this down, and again, it's, it's incredibly well-written, so thank you for that, but the there's not a... There's not a point in here where it's a conclusion, where it's the Seahawks did this or the or the, the Russell Wilson did this. It's here's the facts and here's kind of where we end up. What is interesting to me is the legacy play in all of this for Russell Wilson. It's kind of the line that you ended on is is a, a, a play a place for Wilson to build his legacy in Denver. When did it become a legacy play in Seattle, and what was kind of what led to that change? from the Legion of Boom era into Russell Wilson and into kind of, I, I look at it at least from at least the, the evidence that's presented is kind of the spark point for everything. Yeah, certainly that was, that was a huge part of it, but I don't think that really developed over time. I mean, that was, you know, he was talking about that uh, to people that became part of his inner circle. I mean, he was, he was very conscious of his legacy and building that and securing that. And, and he was talking about that even before he got to the NFL. So um, he has always been a guy who has very, very lofty goals. Um, I, I wrote a, a story on his late father uh, a couple of years ago. It was 10 years after he had passed away. And that was, he very much gets that from his father. And, um, you know, he went into the NFL with the goal to, to win three Super Bowls. That's, that's what he has since said. And so I don't think that whole legacy thing was really a new thing. I think he, he always, he always was very concerned about that. And, very much wanted to secure that. And over time, he just felt like the Seahawks um, weren't putting him in position to do that because of all the things that, um, you know, we've talked about. And, you know, the MVP uh, was part of that. He, he feels like the MVP is part of that legacy, but it's not, it's not just a, a selfish individual thing because he's, you know, very much considered Super Bowls to be a huge part of that. And um, so it's it's not like he was totally looking out for himself because he wanted to win games and he wanted to win Super Bowls, but there was a, a kind of individual goal aspect of that as well. We're talking with Brady Henderson. ESPN uh, covers the Seahawks for the worldwide leader, and you were you have the in this piece about Russ and the Seahawks uh, drifting apart. It, it was Pete Carroll, the last guy to kind of sign off on a willingness to trade um, Russell Wilson. We saw when Russ kind of came into the NFL and when he left Seattle, he almost took on Pete's mannerisms too, <laughs> you know, over those years that they were together. That relationship and, and how long was it before Pete finally said, okay, until the deal got done? Like how long was John Schneider working uh, on the back end of things, trying to line something up before he got the okay from Pete? Um, yeah, I think, and, and, you know, there was, there was multiple people in the building who felt, um, you know, that he was, he was, his best days were behind him and that, um, you know, there was some concern about the upcoming contract and stuff, but yeah, Pete Carroll, I think, you know, with, by virtue of him having final say in the organizational decisions, you know, he was a guy that obviously had to be on board with that. And, um, you know, I was told that for a very long time, he was resistant to that idea and felt like he could deal with you know, the constant trade speculation and that sort of drama. Um, and then I don't know if it was one thing necessarily that changed that, but, but he did eventually come around to that. And um, I think that, you know, one of the turning points there was when 
he and Wilson spoke after this past season. Um, it, from what I understand, that's that's when he really started to come around to it. Kind of looking at the timeline, at least the way that it, I, I, I erased read it, <laughs> was the the first real wedge point, because there's there's certainly like little spark points that are on here, but the the first real, real wedge point feels like possibly when the Seahawks had real discussions about trading Russell Wilson to the Cleveland Browns for the number one overall pick. Is that is that correct, or am I just reading between the lines incorrectly? No, I, I no, that yeah, I, I think you're right, and that was you know the, the, a year before that, you know they had kind of shown some interest in Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Remember, John Schneider was at that pro day as well, and uh, then did the same thing in 2018 with Josh Allen and. You know, it, it's one thing for John Schneider to pop across Lake Washington and to attend, you know, the University of Washington's pro day, you know, if they had a big name quarterback there. But these are these are remote campuses in the middle of Wyoming and in the middle of West Texas. And so he very much stood out there and um, that got the attention of Wilson's camp. And then obviously they heard that uh, the Seahawks had made a call to the Browns uh, inquiring about whether or not they might have any interest. And the number one and swapping Wilson for the number one overall pick, that conversation never went anywhere at all, but it did get back to, uh, to, to Wilson's camp. And that, I think, um, yeah, it, it upset them and it made them wonder, Hey, what's going on here. Um, and I think ultimately it, it kind of fractured um, the, I think their side kind of lost faith in Seattle uh, at that point. Yeah. Brady, it's really interesting though, that you as you're reading through the article, though, it, it seems like although there were the tensions between them, it never felt like the Seahawks during the season were out on Russell Wilson or vice versa. Russell Wilson was out on the Seahawks. Is that a fair description of, of kind of the final couple of seasons where we knew there were frustrations, but both sides seemed all in on each other during during the seasons in those 17 weeks? Yes. And, and, you know, I didn't, this didn't make it into the story. Uh, it got cut out, but you know, there was a blurb in there about how um, right after Wilson vented publicly in 2021, remember that was after the Super Bowl where he had uh, gone on the Dan Patrick show and, and had talked about his pass protection. From what I heard a month later, he was hounding Chris Carson and blowing up Chris Carson's phone about trying to get him to re-sign with the Seahawks when he hit free agency. Uh, one coach told me that Wilson would text him at five in the morning once practices started getting ready for the day's work. And then, you know, he hurt his finger, uh, made it back really quickly from that and, and really put in a lot of work to do that. So um, it sounds to me like, and, and one coach even said this, that he was all in. And, you know, Wilson, people who know him talk about how good he is at compartmentalizing and everything I've heard is that that's what he did after those frustrations that he had, that he really put those on the back burner with a plan to revisit them after the season. Uh, and he was, he was very much focused on winning in 2021. With where the Seahawks are now, are, are they content with how that relationship ended and, and again, where they're kind of going now going forward? Obviously there's, they're in a in a, a a weird spot as it pertains to the quarterback position in, in particular, but are are they happy with how everything kind of transpired in the end as far as the return that they got on the package for Russ and kind of where that sticks them going forward, or is there still I don't want to say bad blood, but is there still some unsorted feelings there? Oh, I'm I'm sure that there is. Yeah, and, and you know I think this was in some ways it was an amicable 
departure, like when, when they actually said goodbye, uh, everything I've heard is that that was amicable, but there are still, I think some, um, yeah, there, there is still some animosity, uh, I believe on, on both sides, even if it isn't outward. Um, and in terms of where the Seahawks feel like they are, I mean, look, they getting drew lock back in that trade, what was, was significant for them because there's people in the building who very much believe in him that he has the potential uh, to be, to turn into something. And they, you know, that's not that they were putting all of their eggs in that basket. I mean, he's under contract for this season only, and he's not making very much money. So they're by no means banking on that. Um, and they've got, you know, the, the first and second round, the extra first and second round pick next year. And, you know, look, I think there's, we all know that there's a really good chance that they're going to use that draft capital uh, to go get a quarterback next year. I, I wouldn't write lock off completely just because I don't think that um, him losing that quarterback battle was entirely a reflection of him. I, I think that whole battle was kind of skewed towards Geno Smith, especially when lock missed uh, the time that he did with mm-hmm. COVID. And so um, I wouldn't, I mean, I think Drew Locke is going to see the field at some point this season. He's going to have a chance to show them um, that he's worth, you know, all of the, the, the promise that they saw in him, but, um, you know, they know that they're not committed to him beyond this season, and they know that they've got a ton of draft capital in next year's draft to, to go get their guy if it doesn't end up being Drew Locke. Well, the NFL season is upon us. It all gets underway tomorrow. The Seahawks and the Broncos, the last ones to kick off the season, Monday Night Football up in uh, Seattle's Russell Wilson, comes back to <laughs> Seattle uh, in the lime green unis that Seattle will be re- wearing. Brady, thank you so much for taking the time for us. And, again, fantastic job uh, on this piece, just kind of outlining the, the split between Russ and the Seahawks. Thank you, man. Yeah, you bet. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. See ya. There he is, Brady Henderson, ESPN.com. It, that's a, it's a fascinating look to, back at um, what was a, such a successful tenure together yes. and relationship together. And then it, when it fell apart, it, it came unraveled so quickly, yeah. but there, it, it, but it wasn't actually quickly. It had been, been progressing for, for so long. Yeah. 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 And, that's, and that's why I wanted to know was like, was 2018, was that the, the real wedge? Right. Right. Because that kind of conversation, like as, as much as everybody talks about GMs make calls all the time, you don't make those calls without knowing the ramifications of what happens exactly. when it gets back to somebody else. Exactly. All right. Uh, Brady Henderson, uh, very thankful. He uh, took a few minutes for us uh, today. 503-250-1080, that is the fan text line. Uh, surprise, just when you think it was okay and guys are going to be healthy, wrong. Danny and Dusty on the fan. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.